0: Um, to to, to realize Um, and then theme three that uh, arises from from the submission um, uh, is that the inclusion of regional ballots in PR calculations for the national assembly uh, violates section 46 requirements of in general proportional representation and to uh, uh, the Section 19 right to fair elections, and the submission references that a proposal for that a second ballot is required in the National Assembly to meet the constitutional requirement of proportionality. Um, so the point is that the quota for compensatory seats. Uh, is determined by the uh, sum of valid votes across both ballots, which is the regional ballot and the compensatory uh, ballot. Um, and the total number of votes, valid votes from both the region and the, um, from both the regions. As well as the compensatory seats are lumped together, and and we divide that using 400 seats, uh, and that is important to secure the overall proportionality of an election, which is a constitutional um, um, imperative, and the similar um, process uh, o- obtains in respect of. Um, of municipal uh, municipal elections, so our argument is is that mixing the regional val- val- uh, regional valid votes as well as the compensation valid votes together, working off the 400 total, and then minusing the allocations that a party or a candidate uh, uh, independent candidates have already received, leads to a greater um, Proportion uh, than if you were to treat them as two um, unrelated elections. So we, we that's really argument uh, that you put in before yourselves. And then theme five of the issues um, is the issue of contesting uh, multiple. Uh, multi, uh, multiple multiple regions as well uh, it's an issue that um, the portfolio committee debated at length and it's related to section 19 uh, rights and um, the the portfolio the committee arrived at a, at a situation where um, independent, independent candidates could contest any any region but that if they win um multiple they'll have to take where they got, they secured the most votes however in terms of province they can only contest the province of registration that's i think the uh the uh, uh the, the 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 position of this uh, portfolio committee it's a matter of uh, policy choice um which the committee exercised itself Um, Chair, then theme five is the is the uh, what, what what the submission refers to as a defective recalculation method, um, and the proposition, uh, the alternative proposition, is that use the 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 seat calculation that you did uh, at election time to allocate to the next person um our our view is twofold is that um this we don't think it's advisable as it could theoretically allocates contestants with few votes ultimately as you go down um you 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 could be forced to allocate to uh, to contestants with very few votes um which will have a disproportionate effect because um, the the more you move from the quota, the more you move from the quota, um, you are are introducing a disproportion. Um, Also during the five year term, remainders may be be depleted. So without a recalculation, there could be a shortage of remainders to allocate seeds to. Now, Chair, to optimize um the um drafting, um there are a few um uh additional, well not additional, but refinements to existing provisions that um the submissions have raised and uh we've looked at them and we 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 propose the, the the following drafting um, to to our colleagues in in parliamentary legal service and the state um, state law advisor um, item uh, seven two a and b I think the we we need to refer to seats instead of votes I think um, there was um, in the drafting uh, of the a list uh, a change from uh, from seats to votes but it, in fact. It has to be clear that we're dealing with the forfeiture of seats, not the forfeiture of votes. So that item seven to A and item seven to B uh, deals uh, deals with that. And then item twelve D, um, we it's important to include um, in this. Um, Item or independent. It's just the addition um, of that uh, of that word which was missing um, in the in the A list. Now, we, based on the submissions received, we also think that it is important. In item seven and twelve, we were dealing with both the um, the feeling of vacancies arising out of vacancies that are created during term, for instance, if a if an um independent member of parliament dies or resigns or whatever. so we had lumped that together with instances of forfeiture for greater clarity. We now think um, that, and based on the submissions received, we now think it's more optimal to separate the two hands. Um, Item 22 deals specifically with the filling of vacancies in the regions as well as in uh, in the provinces. And then item seven and 12 will deal with forfeiture Um, instances where a party um, has given us a list uh, short of its uh, allocation of, 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 for instance, a party gives, uh, is entitled, um, a a original allocation of four, they only gave us a party list of two. In terms of um, these provisions, they forfeit and then uh, forfeiture, a look, um, recalculation must ensue. So item seven and twelve deal with that scenario, and item twenty-two will deal with the filling of vacancies in in, 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 in legislatures as well as in the the regions. Lastly, uh, on this one, uh, chairperson is um, item twenty-three. This is to clarify something that was also identified. In the submissions, that um, the recalculation can potentially lead to a loss of a seat by a person already holding a seat. This Portfolio Committee had agreed that such a scenario is undesirable, and therefore, um, a provision should be introduced to protect it. So, this item twenty-three affirms um, affirms that um, that um, no one will already holding a seat will lose a seat because of the re- recalculation and 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 those those will be the the drafting proposals that we we want to place on the table chair the there's an issue of the um, um, the signatures I think the parliamentary legal service dealt with it the however there's a corresponding the, 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 there's a corresponding issue about parties who don't hold a seat um, in any of the legislatures. And it's a matter that uh, the commission will deal with uh, when they amend the party um, regulations, uh, the party registration regulations, as well as your candidate nomination um, um, regulations. because the co- the commission is alive to uh, to the fact of of the desirability of parity between um unrepresented parties and independent um uh, candidates so it's not a matter um that is outside of, of the of the realm um uh, of thinking in the uh, in the commission the issues of parity with respect to that it will be dealt with in the regulations. Um, thank you very much, Chair. Yeah, I'm not sure, Commissioner Love, before um, I hand over through you, the Chair of the session, whether other members of the Commission want to. Uh, there's Commissioner Love, the Vice Chair, and Nema Suku, who are online, and I think as well. But through you, Chairperson. Thanks. Thank you.
1: Uh, thank- Thanks to uh, uh CEO, um chairperson um, through you. Firstly greetings to um the yourself and, and uh, the honourable members. I don't think we as commissioners have anything to add at this stage. I'm sure in response to questions, um Commissioner Mouepia will also lead on some of those responses and we'll ask others. Thanks very much.
2: Thank you very much, uh, members. We will then take uh, the last item, a presentation from the department. Thereafter, members will deliberate on the presentations. Minister Arun?
3: Yes, thank you, Chairperson. I'm waiting for... The document to be projected on the screen. Uh, the document I'm going to take you through, chairperson. As you are aware, our legal advisors who put up together this bill that is being debated is senior counsel Stephen Bartlander and advocate Michelle De Beer, who unfortunately could not be with us today to appear
4: somewhere the head in ourselves we'll try
3: to see what best we can do but i've got a document here which was written by the two senior councils in 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 responding to our questions yeah that, that's the document can we move fast to uh uh, uh yeah, as you can see, it says it's an advice sought by the Minister of Home Affairs, yes. And the brief memorandum consider address the revision proposed in the A-list prepared by the National Assembly Portfolio Committee to revise the electoral amendment bill. Uh, it goes on to say revisions of the bill. The proposed revisions in the bill demonstrates that there's been serious effort by the portfolio committee to consider the comment made by the public on the bill and the proposals made by the electoral commission the portfolio committee has itself debated the issue and in the a-list has adopted substantial revisions uh, to the bill i think it's a very important statement to make because there are some people who believe that their inputs are ignored by the portfolio committee and by the department the two senior Counsel want to emphasize uh, that it's a demonstration that the portfolio committee is indeed listening. Can we move on? Uh, Now, yeah, item number four, it says the most substantial revision contained in the A-list are the following uh, 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 proposal. The first one, replacing the three-round system of allocation of regional seats in the National Assembly and seats in the provincial legislature with a single-round system. 4.2. Introducing three ballot papers for the use in the national provincial elections, one ballot for the regional seats and, and the national, in the National Assembly, one ballot for the compensatory seat in the National Assembly, and the last ballot for the election of each provincial uh, legislature. That is item 13 in Schedule 18 Clause 11 And number three, making provision to fill vacancies in seats allocated to independent candidates and number four permitting independent candidate to contest more than one region provided that they are they receive more than one uh, uh, more than one in the region where they receive the most votes item five specifying that independent candidate requires a signature of voters totaling at least 80 percent of the quota for the seat and i'm sure members know that now the senior council is addressing each of these five in 10. Uh, now, the new system for the allocation of seats, let's start there. Our advice is that in our view, replacing the three round system, yes, that's item number six, please. Yes, move to item number six. They are taking the five items one by one. Yes. In our view, replacing the three round system for allocating seats in favor of a single round system is to be commented. First, the three round system created the following problems. As the public comments pointed out, number one, that is seven one. In the three round system, independent candidates will have been allocated seats in the first two rounds and political parties in the third round. And number two, which is 7.2. After the first two rounds, all votes of independent candidates will have been removed the upshot was the quarter required for political parties to obtain a seat will have been lower than what independent candidates were required for the same seat. And fourthly, this issue of an uh, apparent unequal playing field has been resolved as all political parties and independent candidates contest for the same quarter in the system contained in the A-list. Second, the single round system contained in the A-list is simpler to apply and easier to understand than the three-round system. Simplicity in the electoral system promotes the rule of law. So that deals with the issue. In other words, in, in, in summary, we commend the one-round system, and the legal advice is that the one-round system is the best. And the, the issue of three pallets, The introduction of three ballots in our view promotes voters' rights to participate in elections and to make political choices. This is because voters will be entitled. I'm on ten. sorry. Sorry, 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 sorry. I was not moving with you. We are here on the three ballots. Let me start again online. The introduction of a three ballot in our view promotes voters' rights to participate in elections and to make political choices. This is because voters will be entitled to vote for both an independent candidate for the regional seats and for a political party at the same time for the compensatory seat. The A-list therefore departs from the dichotomy, departs from the dichotomy that the first version of the bill created. Voters can thus vote for both the regional and compensatory seats. the system will at the same time, permit independent candidates to contest the national assembly. Then can we move over to the issue of vacancies? Vacancies, yes. Many public comments were directed at the provisions which deals with the filling of vacancies. In respect of seats allocated to the political parties, vacancies will be filled by the party list as it currently is. The first version of the bill proposed that vacancies in the seats of independent candidates should be filled only at the next election. Holding by elections will not be workable or financially feasible across an entire region or province whenever a vacancy arises. That was the the initial uh, position. The A-list, however, proposes that the votes from the previous election will be used to fill the vacancies as follows. Number one, that's 13.1. The votes and seats allocated to the independent candidate causing the vacancy will be disregarded. 13.2, the votes and seats allocated in the independent candidates already in the office will be disregarded. And 13.3, the results of the region or provincial legislature will be recalculated respectively, and 13.4, that's number, point number four, the vacant seat will be awarded to an eligible independent candidate or party that contest the preceding election. Now this addresses the concerns that were raised in the public participation process. That's section 47, subsection four of the constitution that provides vacancies in the National Assembly Must be filled in terms of national legislation, requires the vacated seat to be filled even before the next general election. While it is true that a seat allocated to an independent candidate that is vacated could be allocated to a political party and not another independent candidate, that is the system that best reflects the will of the voters. If, for example, the seat were to go to the next eligible independent candidate that could, in theory, be a candidate who only received one or two votes instead of a party that received many thousands. That will evidently not fulfill the requirements of proportionality. Can we move over? To item number 16. Now we deal with independent candidates consisting more than one region. The portfolio committee proposed to enact a system which provides that independent candidates may participate in more than one region for election in the national assembly. We have previously advised that such a system will be constitutionally compliant. Uh, we wish to know the following. Can we move over to item number 18? Yes. Yes, we wish to, pro- to know the following. The A list provides that if the same independent candidate receives a seat in more than one region, the candidate is awarded the seat in the region where he or she received the most votes. We fully support the inclusion of a rule which governs the seat That will be allocated to an independent candidate in the event that they receive a seat in more than one region. It will be patently inappropriate to leave that to the individual discretion of the candidate. In our view, consideration should, however, be given to stating that the candidate will be awarded the seat in the region where he or she received the highest proportion of votes rather than the greatest number of votes per se. This is because in some regions, a candidate may res- have received a large number of votes, but proportionally received lesser, uh, move on, lesser support in the region with a larger population, like Gauteng or KwaZulu-Natal. In other regions with smaller populations, like Northern Cape, the candidate may re- have received fewer votes numerically, but the larger proportion of the support from the electorate. So in our view, a rule that awards the seat with the great proportion of vote better gives the effect to to the voice of the voters. Now, the issue of signature requirements. The portfolio committee has been proposing that parliament should adopt a formula in the legislation to determine the required number of voter support with the preference to a percentage of quota for a seat in the previous election, uh, that has landed on 30%. In principle, we repeat that we are of the view that using a formula will be an rational approach. However, 30% appears to be too high. The previous quota for a seat in the National Assembly was um, approximately 44,000. Can we move on? Yes, it was 44,000 votes assuming that a similar quarter will occur in future. It will require an independent candidate to demonstrate the support of 14,667 voters in order to contest an election. Even if this support could be obtained using electronic resources as we understand the proposal, it may be impossible for an independent candidate to obtain such a support, especially if they are only able to gather signatures in a limited time provided for the election timetable, uh, right, therefore, uh, 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 before uh, the election. In our view, such a a high threshold will arguably be an unjustifiable limit of the Section 19 rights of citizens to contest an election as independent candidates. Uh, by contrast, by contrast, in respect of political parties, we are on twenty-six one. Section fifteen three a of the Electoral Commission Act fifty-one of nineteen ninety-six provides that a political party's application for registration for purposes of contesting an election shall be accompanied, uh, uh, blah blah, that the party's deed of foundation which has been adopted at the meeting of and has been signed by the prescribed number of persons who are qualified voters. The commission is empowered to prescribe the number consent. The relevant regulation currently provides, and I quote, the deed of foundation referred to in section 15 of the act must be signed by, can you move on? Must be signed by Roman figure one, 1,000 registered voters for an application in respect of the entire republic. Roman figure two, 500 registered voters for an application in respect of a particular province. And Roman figure three, 300 registered voters for an application in respect of a particular district or metropolitan municipality. Accordingly, political parties require less than 10% of the number of signatures to register. Than independent candidates who will require to be uh, contest a single region in an election. We continue to be of the view that this is an issue that is best left to the Commission to prescribe. In other words, we believe the issue of signatures must be left to the Commission uh, to, to prescribe, as we also support the, uh, 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 the parliamentary. Uh, uh, political, uh, I mean, uh, legal services, that even the issue of uh, the amount of money to be paid must be left to the commission. Chairperson, our motivation is that if we are prone to putting numbers in an act, every time something changes, because numbers cannot be stated, everything, something changes, we are forced to amend an act. And this, the IEC has elaborated on very clearly. When the Electoral Act number 73 of 1998 was enacted, it was just a few months before the next, before the second democratic elections of 1999. And the act stated that the provincial seats will be determined by the IEC by the 31st of March, 1999. We're saying so in preparation of an election which was coming then in a few months time. And because it was in the legislation, it got stuck. Even when population changed around the country, the IEC could not reallocate seats. Provinces like Gautin remained at the lower level despite their population doubling. Now we had to go to parliament and amend as we did in 2020. And now the new amendment says before every general election, the IEC will determine the seats in provincial legislatures. So it changes with circumstances every five years. And so we're asking that we leave the matters to the IEC SETs so that they are the ones who determine numbers. In conclusion, we have advised that the state attorney and director general that are currently preparing a more detailed opinion concerning these issues and others, which we hope to provide uh, in the course of the week. In other words, they will give more details. They were just giving a summary of what is needed for today. Thank you very much, Chair, thank you, I submit.
2: Thank you very much, Minister, and thank you very much to all the presenters who have uh, presented on the issues on the EAB. Colleagues, I'm informed that uh, the Chair has joined the meeting. You are welcome, Honourable uh, Mosa Chavan. Colleagues will then now deliberate, make comments, or ask questions on the three issues uh, that have been presented to us. We will then take hands as follows. We'll take uh, Honorable Brendan, we'll take uh, Honorable Kanyele, followed by Honorable Lehuase, we'll followed by uh, Honorable Ross, Miss Tito will follow, And then we'll also take Honorable Mochali. I think those are the six members I see on the platform. In that order, colleagues.
5: Thank you. Thank you very much, uh, Chairperson. And let me also uh, appreciate um, and thank all of the stakeholders for the different presentations that we have received. Chair, I'm just going to deal with it specifically. Uh, And to say that in respect of clause one, um, I support uh, the proposal that was made in terms of where it says candidate means a natural person and removing the word political to read as party. Uh, I support that it makes um, perfect sense and it's also constitutionally viable. uh, But we must keep the word natural person and remove the word political to read as party. Um, I think that follows with two that said, independent candidate means a natural person contesting an election and who is not nominated on a list of a party, again removing the word political. In respect of the terminology political lies on committee chair, I think we've deliberated much on this where we've, we've agreed as members of the committee that it was just basically a matter of thematics um, and, and languages. And in terms of that... I propose that we should just stick liaison committee rather than um, election liaison committee, uh, but definitely not the word candidate, because I I foresee that we may have challenges if we use the word candidate again. So perhaps we could look at liaison committee, but if the committee resolves on election liaison committee, I think that's still, uh, you know, I I don't have any um, challenges with that. However. liaison committee from the beginning I was saying would have actually sufficed if we were calling it a liaison committee in respect of clause four of the signatures chair I, I have to uh, reiterate um, that 1000 signatures for me is definitely too low um, and I think it is it opens the electoral system to vulnerability um, and and in respect of that uh, you know, I also want to say that if we agree that 30% is too high, uh, then we could look at consideration, but definitely from the previous presentation we received, I think it was a state law advisor, and I stand to be corrected, where they proposed 25%, um, Chair, you know, we could look at bringing that to 25 or perhaps even looking at when it goes to the NCOP, if that changes, but definitely... Definitely not 1,000. That becomes really, really, really uh, challenging for me to to have to accept. In respect of uh, Clause 4, Section 31B, that's 2.2, Chair, I support and I I want to um, emphasize that the deposit must remain with the IEC. So I'm proposing that that um, clause in terms of the deposit, as we've agreed as the committee, it should not be in the bill, but it should actually be left to the IC to determine. And particularly, I think the motivation is that the deposit may change from time to time. And so we can't be coming back to Parliament to make changes um, to, to the bill all the time based on the deposit. So it's a principle that says there must be a deposit. I think we've even differentiated that it's different for, for, for provincial legislatures and National Assembly but that must remain with the IEC to to determine. In respect of three, which is Schedule 1A of vacancies, Chairperson, I am of the firm view that the current proposed uh, or proposal in terms of filling a vacancy is fair. It's also constitutional. We've also sought legal advice and opinion, and we have been guaranteed that this is a fair process. Um, I want to further support that that remains, that it's allocated to the next political party or independent it just becomes you know really if you look at submissions you can't run a by-election and how are we going to run a by-election if we are not using constituency based system and i think we've passed that that stage of saying that there's going to be a change in the electoral system we've agreed that they, this is this is the way we're going to go and so hence you can't run by elections if you don't have constituencies Further, you would have seen that there were submissions that are saying that we should have all municipalities as a constituency. I can't understand the logic of that, Chair, because how does one member take care or provide support to an entire municipality or district? I think it's it's really far-fetched. In respect of um, four, sorry, the clause which is Schedule 1A Item 7, the forfeiting of Um, of votes now chairperson i think it was clearly spelled out that it's actually a forfeiter of seats and this is clear because you only receive one seat so if you get the number of votes in terms of the prescription and the threshold you meet the threshold you get one seat and that is it you you can't get any other seat now i think it's also fair to note that this is the same for both political parties and independent candidates so there's no one that's being treated differently from the other i mean there are political parties that meet a threshold and the balance of their votes if it's not enough for another seat it means they don't get a seat again that is discarded so it's the same for both political parties and independent candidates and then chairperson in terms of five which is clause i think schedule 1a item 7c and that of aggregation of votes chairperson i i submit that you cannot aggregate votes, it becomes, uh, uh, again, um, a process that becomes really unfair. Um, I think it's important to note that political parties on a provincial to national, which is the province to national, is only calculated on the votes that they receive from that province or region. Um, So it can't be different for independents to then aggregate votes across regions. In respect of the NA, which is the national to national, I think it has been clear that that is in respect of compensatory seats, which is actually can be called PR. And currently in local government where independent candidates are contesting, they don't contest the PR, they only contest the ward. So I can't understand what makes it different, because if you are saying that you must aggregate then how is it that in local government you don't aggregate because you're contesting only at a ward level? And if you win that ward, you win that ward. So it's the same, it's the same uh, um, uh, process that we need to follow. And I support that it cannot be aggregated or the votes cannot be aggregated. Thank you, Chairperson. Those are my submissions.
2: Thank you very much. Before I continue to the next member, uh, Honorable Chabani will now take over the, the meeting. The chair has uh, joined the meeting. Thank you very much. The next member, Ms. Thank you, Chephasen. Uh, and greetings to the minister and colleagues and everyone in the meeting. We appreciate the uh, presentations that are, be- that are before us. I only have uh, two comments on, on on this particular issue. The first issue is the issue of signatures. Um, I believe I am in support that independent candidates can submit 20% of, of the signatures. And secondly, the issue of, of the deposits, I I do believe that we have discussed it previously as well and we're in agreement that um, independent candidates should pay the deposits and amount which will be determined by the IEC.
4: Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Honourable Huase. Honourable Mulekwa.
2: Thank you very much. Thank you very much, uh, I think Honorable Blenden has covered most of the issues I can give you. Thank you. Thank
6: you, Honorable uh, Ruas.
7: Uh, thank you, Chair, and thank you to all the presenters for the considered input. Um, and it's also encouraging to see um, just how much input was received. Um, from. Uh, civil society organizations and members of the public and so we thank them all for their participation uh i'm just going to go through it um from top to bottom just to make sure i don't miss anything um you know i think i concur with the um the parliamentary legal advisors inputs on on clause one um and certainly there's mention of of partisan but you know a partisan means a strong supporter of a party cause or a person so i think uh for sure, you know, political parties and independents would, would fall under the, the description of a partisan. Um, but certainly, uh, yeah, it's it's uh, it would be incorrect to call uh, one of them non-partisan, for example. So I, I agree with the, the inputs that were given there from the legal advisors. Um, then in terms of the more than one region, I think, you know, we, we have always said that independents should, should choose one region I think there's a lot of talk about um, direct accountability and direct responsibility. And, and, you know, the DA has always argued that candidates that stand in a party uh, that they need to choose their province where they stand. And, and the fact is that you are going to be representing um, your constituency, uh, even if it's a constituency that your party gives you where you live um, in that province and you need to be their chairperson. So we, we have always contended that. Um, but the input from Michael Atkins, you know, he, he points out the problem with allowing independence to stand in multiple regions. It's There, there are a lot of um, unforeseen consequences of that uh, that need to be noted. Then there's a lot of um, issues raised about using districts and metropolitan municipalities as constituencies, et cetera. Um, but Chairperson, this requires a demarcation process, and we have discussed this on numerous occasions. Um, and the DS position here is certainly that That we should consider having a sunset clause in this bill which states that after the 2024 election that uh, full electoral reform needs to be considered and then we have all the public participation around that Um, because constituencies and all of this it's not a simple matter of just splitting the country into more um, areas and then allocating people there there are a lot of nuanced um, arguments and things to be considered about for example how do you hold a member of parliament accountable in a constituency for things like municipal issues. Um, And that's something that that really needs to be dealt with in a, in in a much bigger discussion. It's not just as simple as saying you're an MP, you're in that constituency. And if you don't perform, we fire you. So I think it it needs to be the subject of a lot of deliberation and participation. And we should have a sunset clause um, in this bill to deal with, with that and a number of the concerns around constituencies, but chairperson, I think we've deliberated already. There's there's no time for it in the electoral timetable as we have it.
4: Then, in terms of the
7: um, then, in terms of the let's get here, yeah, the qualifications. That's fine. Um, then there's the issue of the the signatories. Um, Chief person, I, you know, having considered this and looked at it, I think there's two options. The one is to talk about percentages. Um, as we have discussed uh, in the past, um, another option is just to look at the, the actual the 1,000 um, and to decide, is that a sufficient number? Because that is what is in place at the moment to register a political party, et cetera. But um, I think there's been valid concerns raised about um, setting the appropriate bar. Now, we had a presentation from the IEC and the lowest option that we were presented with was 20%, which the DA agreed with. Uh, but I think, you know, Chairperson, we also need to consider saying, well, perhaps instead of setting a, um, one requirement for political parties of 1,500 and another one of a percentage for independent candidates is, is to potentially just look at the 1,000 and make that um, whatever number that, that we decide on as we deliberate, just make that applicable to political parties and to independent candidates uh, when they register with the IEC. Then, chairperson, in terms of the deposit, um, I think we've deliberated at length on this. There, there must be a deposit, and it should be left to the regulations. Um, and I think it's important to consider. You know, the, the IEC made a point about deposit and, and potentially looking at independent candidates um, potentially paying a less of a deposit uh, than political parties. Um, but then one also needs to consider the equitable share. Uh, so, number one, these, these deposits get paid back. If you, if you are a successful candidate. So it's not money that is being lost. Uh, it's money that's required to run the election and, and that money that then gets paid back. Um, and, and Chairperson, you know, we've given the comment to say that if, if you are going to serve as a leader in the National Assembly, um, what political parties do is, is fundraise. So they raise the funds to fund their operations, the the ability to contest an election, and the IEC needs, also needs that additional um, finance as more and more parties participate in an election to run it. And so the, you know, the idea of not having to pay a deposit at all uh, would, would also be unfair. I think we need to look at um, the, 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 the two sides of that picture. Number one, um, deposit should be there and number two, it should be left to the regulations. Um, then in terms of the, the vacancy, I think there was a comment in the public participation um, that an independent candidate vote is, is a vote that rejects party politics. Um, but chairperson, that, that you cannot say that for sure um, because you could have a situation where um, a person votes for a specific person in their area because they know them and they support them as an individual. But if that person wasn't there, then they would go for a political party. Um, so, so one cannot uh, formulate this legislation on the notion that if you vote for an independent, then you are voting against political parties. You, you might just like that specific um, independent. And, and certainly, you know, I agree with what's been said before in terms of w- once you have um, been in, in allocated a seat, then the, the, the will of all those voters has been satisfied um, because you, again, the crux of the, the judgment and that was that you are choosing to associate. And if you associate, there's the vehicle of a political party. Um, as we've seen on Saturday, certain persons then take that opportunity to say, let's let's then form a political party and associate. And then there's the option to not associate and be an independent. And then you, um, as Honourable Pillay has mentioned, you, you get enough votes to get a seat and you get the seat. Um, then in terms of aggregating votes, again, I think part of the problem with that as well is that, uh, you know, it would be difficult to say, take the votes of Northern Cape voters and then... Um, they get utilized to select a counting candidate for example. Um, so I, th- I think it's a bit problematic to, to aggregate votes in that way. Um, and then in terms of general proportionality, I think um, you know, the IEC made a comment that um, the the person that made a submission about this has carefully selected numbers to get a result. Um, person I've, I've asked for this on, on several occasions. I think it would be, very valuable for this committee just to receive a presentation on this mathematics um, because it's a, big, it's a big part of the judgment to ensure general proportionality. And the claim here is that, there's, that there are serious distortions. Um, and I think if, if we do not explore that and make sure that we've exhausted that, then it, it could be problematic if, 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 if this is taken on and it is found that there is some distortion. And we, we didn't take the opportunity to satisfy ourselves that, the, 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 as the IEC had said, it's impossible to have pure proportionality, but that there's nothing um, extremely untoward over here. Uh, because my understanding of how this works, and it's very comp, it's, the system proposed is really complicated and technical. Um, and it's a headache to explain to anybody. Um, but, but every time you see the word recalculate, that equates to changing the quota. Um, And I think, Chairperson, we we really need to explore that properly so that we, as a committee, we've now seen what this distortion is and we agree or disagree that that is an acceptable or an unacceptable distortion. Chairperson, I think I've covered everything um, in this report, but uh, in closing, Chairperson, I I would just like to request that that, – that we are given an opportunity to, to caucus uh, with our caucuses um, on this after we've received the responses uh, before we make a final deliberation on these uh, amendments. Thank you, Chair.
6: Okay.
4: Honorable Tito. Honorable Muhale. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Chairperson. Um, I
8: think uh, the previous uh, speakers have touched on a number of things. Um, but my issues are just two issues that I just want to uh, focus on, uh, uh Firstly, is on the signatures. I think the 30% uh, uh, for me is uh, reasonable enough. Uh, because uh, we we don't want to find ourselves here yeah, with uh, a, a lengthy ballot paper of over a hundred uh, independents here, yeah. uh, so I think uh, that thirty percent is uh, is uh, is good enough. Uh, I, I don't agree with uh, uh, one thousand. Uh, I think uh, it will create problems for us. If we were to lower um, uh, the number of uh, uh voters that they need to submit and in addition on the issue of the list we have raised the consensus the e f f with regards to the verification process of that list because it shouldn't we shouldn't have a a system where people can just uh take uh, the voter's role, sit down with it, and copy all the names and the same names and the IDs of people and submit to the IEC and say, these are people who say they are going to vote for us. So in terms of the verification processes that the IEC is going to put in place, uh, we need to ensure that those kind of issues, uh, they, are, they are properly dealt with so that we don't, we don't have that. Secondly, on the issue of the deposits, uh, I hear many of the colleagues who have spoken say the matter must be left to to the IEC to decide on it. But uh, my concern is that we shouldn't have uh, a differentiation in terms of uh, the amount that independent candidates need to pay as deposits and what political parties need to pay as deposit. I think the amount should be the same. Because we're all contesting for the same thing. So you can't have a system where I have to pay uh, uh, 5000 as an independent, but the political parties are expected to pay uh, 20000 So uh, that we are not going to support as the EFF. Thank you very much, Chair.
6: Thank you, Honorable Mudisemta. Okay, I think she has indicated that she'll have network uh, issues. Morning uh, members uh, and the the leadership of uh, IEC, Parliamentary Legal Service, um, state law advisor, the minister and the team um thanks for noting the apologies. I don't know why the Honorable Moutise decided that I must proceed with the meeting because she was doing very well. Uh, these are the issues that I think have received from uh, members, um, focus on the areas where we had um, um, issued for written comments. And I think we must appreciate the work that has been Got into the responses uh, from the the three stakeholders, uh, the IEC, and the Parliamentary Legal Service and State Law Advisor, including the the Home Affairs. There's an area where the Minister, I'm not sure whether you will able to uh, to deal with. He has indicated in his closing remark that uh, his legal team still had to work on some areas, and I'm not sure that you uh, will able to deal with some of the issues that are arising uh, from the from this from this meeting i'm going to uh, uh, noting that the sitting is starting now at 11 um and i'm advised that uh, that items that have been taken out for us to focus on this area to request uh, comments from uh, 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 the presenters and then we will then able to re in the next meeting as say, there's a proposal which i think is coming that we may need to have a time to interface with some of the issues that have been raising um and we, must, we may not conclude the, the 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 deliberation today what will then inform mr matonsi and the team to assist us to get extra days Um, for the deliberation so that we are able to be on time to submit to the National Assembly. But I'm encouraged by the submission of all members in terms of the issues that are arising. There may be some of the issues that uh, the teams may need to come back uh, to to, to deal with uh, here. Let me invite Parliamentary Legal Service, State Law Advisor, uh, the uh, commissioners of the IEC, and the minister uh, to make a, a, a input. Uh, I'm sure members will will agree, because I'm trying also to solicit, solicit a, a support that we may need to then come back and further deliberate on these issues. Uh, if the issues that these uh, teams, uh, IEC, legal, home affairs, and the state law advisor may need to come back, may be given time on the issues that have been raised. Can I start with the legal service, Palamsa uh, legal service, Mr. Njigel?
9: Uh, th- thank you, Chairperson. I, I actually taking my notes. As far as I know, Chairperson, there were no questions, but rather comments on the on the issues that all the teams have raised. Uh, uh, Chairperson, there, there may be an issue of. Uh, of signatures that seems to be a contentious issue. As I understand the issue revolves around the issue of the percentage. Um, More than whether it should be there or not is whether it is 30%, 25 or 20 or any other percentage. And there has been a suggestion which it's for the committee to consider that it be left to the IEC. In the interest of certainty, because it is just a percentage, we will suggest that the committee gives a a careful consideration to that so that we are not seen to be delegating plenary powers. But that's a matter for the committee to consider, Chairperson. And I think that's the only issue I need to to speak to. But we have noted what the members have said about the issue of aggregation about the issue of signatures, consideration of the change, and the support of Clause 1 proposal. So we, 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 we're quite happy with the progress that has been made up to now. Uh, unless my colleagues have picked up something else that we may have to respond to, Chairperson. Thank
4: you, Chair.
6: Thank you, Mr. Njigela, uh, state law advisors.
4: Thank you, Chairperson.
2: Ms. Governor from um, the Office of the Chief State Law Advisor. Uh, Chairperson, firstly, just on a point of clarity, um, the Honorable Pillay did raise the, the proposal of 25%, but just to clarify, that was not proposed by the Office of the Chief State Law Advisor, so just to place that on record. Um, secondly, we do agree with the presentation that has been made by um, Parliamentary Legal Services And then obviously um, we will be guided by the committee deliberations and the outcomes of those deliberations. And obviously the drafting proposals that were put forward today and which we have only had sight of today. Um, However, we will consider those and be guided by this in um, finalizing the A-list. Thank you, Chair.
4: Thank you very much. I see.
6: Commissioner, uh,
1: Thank you very much, Chairperson. Good morning to you. And, and um, I, there, there are a couple of issues. I'm going to ask that Commissioner Moyepia speaks on the question of signatures, including um, the uh, uh, question that was raised or the issue that was raised by the Honourable Member Mokhale in terms of verification, but also how this would affect political parties. I just wanted to say that in respect of the proposal that um the committee um receives I don't know if I'm uh, if I heard correctly the sort of uh, presentation on the mathematics of it from the perspective of the IC we have for some time indicated a readiness but it is something that would be akin to a workshop and and so We would then ask you, uh, Chairperson, to consider with the members of the portfolio committee if and when um, you would want uh, that kind of engagement. And then, lastly, the idea of having um, a sunset clause, which makes it clear that there might be issues that the committee believes are are matters to discuss beyond uh, for, for purposes of affecting national and provincial elections beyond 2024. I don't think that the Commission would be in any way opposed to that. I think that that would maybe um, provide a very strong basis for clarity on a range of issues, including those uh, mentioned by the Honourable Member Ruiz, um, and there are probably many others that could come into that discussion. But with your permission, Chairperson, I'd like to hand over to um, Commissioner Moyekia and then if there are any other issues that I've missed out, he'll, he'll deal with those. Thank you, Chair.
10: Thank you, Chairperson. Good morning to you and uh, to the Honourable Members and everyone on the platform. I, I thought many of this were, were comments um, and we have taken note. I will respond to one or two of the issues that uh, required further clarity. I think it's important to start off uh, by saying that, um, as the CEO pointed out, uh, there are some refinements uh, to schedule one capital A that um, we we would want to propose. Um, In fact, the CEO presented them, uh, merely to deal with precision and provide more clarity. Um, This is important. And and I am aware that um, you know the, the, this will be will be provided um, to yourselves um, shortly. <clears throat> the The issue um, raised by Honourable Ross is one that I I ask through you, Chair, that we be provided with clarity. It, it's not clear to us what presentation is outstanding from the IEC in relation to to the application of the different formulae. Uh, you will recall, um, and we, we will send that, that presentation if it's necessary, but if it's a different presentation that is required, let us also be clear so that we, we do not um, withhold uh, something that is being requested of us. But to our knowledge, there is no outstanding presentation that we did not make. We did present through the CEO the uh, application of, of, of the Drup method, uh, we 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 applied. We we showed using historical data how it would apply to an election. We also did um, using the the, the hair um, uh, method, and so I'm not clear about what it is that um, uh, is outstanding, and and we would we would ask respectfully that um, that clarity be provided. The 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 issue um, raised in relation to. How the, the um, signatures or the, 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 the names or the, the ID documents, uh, ID numbers, sorry, of, of persons that support a particular candidate or a party um, are issues that we've also dealt with. But let me, for clarity's sake, indicate that what we intend doing is to create a system as we do for candidate nomination. Um, where an independent or persons who work with that independent or party um, administrators will, in fact, capture on our system, um, intended for that purpose, the persons who who, um, support um, that that independent candidate standing as a candidate or a party, um, for that matter. Uh, standing uh, in, in, in in or contesting that election, and and they will do so on system. It will once they capture the ID numbers, um, it will keep a running tally. It will indicate to them what once they have um, reached the the required threshold or number, um, it will indicate to them what identity documents qualify and which of those do not qualify, and this will be something that is. Obviously visible, will, will be made visible to the um, to the independent candidate or persons that are representing that independent candidate or political party. I think I think those were the issues that that we we were we were asked uh, to deal with. Um, Commissioner Love and and CO, CEO, I I have not picked up anything um, that was. New that was raised today um, in relation to to all the other matters. If I have, please remind me or please deal with them. Thank you very much, Justin. Thank you. Um,
1: thanks, Commissioner Moipia. Um, okay, thank in you. Terms- uh, Chairperson, I, I don't know um, first of all whether we can um, ask the the, the CEO um, if there are any other matters. But I, I do want to say that um I think that with regard to the issue of the signatures, um, you know, the the um it's important I think for the committee to be aware that In our um, last national elections, we had around 48 uh, political parties who were contesting. And the reality is that we still have pretty much the same number of political parties that made it into the National Assembly for purposes of those elections. It is coming from both um, the provinces as well as from national, uh, national to national. The concern that we would have by virtue of making um, a, a threshold uh, in terms of support base as well as issues of deposits too low is that we could, as we have mentioned before to the portfolio committee, find ourselves in a situation where we will see a, a, a need for a ballot paper that is essentially a book, and that, that really would undermine Possibility of a of a of a truly um, informed participation by the electorate. So I think that the issue here is very much a balancing act, and I just wanted to raise that point before handing over to the CEO. We don't, at this stage, have a um, <coughs> a clear uh, formula and solution, and I think that that is why we have regarded this as a matter that requires. Um, engagement, and also requires a, a certain amount of acceptance that we would bring this in transition. And my suggestion is really that we we let the, we let some certainty um, uh, uh, about the need to manage aspirations of independent candidates to be on uh, to be part of Parliament be balanced with presenting voters with something of a ballot paper that is meaningful and realistic to them. That's the balance that we have to achieve. I'm going to ask the CEO whether he wants to to come in or maybe any of the deputy CEOs who are present um, in the meeting, Chairperson, through you. Um, CEO?
0: Nothing to add at this point, Chair. Thank you very much.
6: Thank you, um, IC, uh, Commissioner Love, and Commissioner and the entire commission, and the CEO, Minister.
3: Yeah, thank you, Chairperson. Thank you very much. I just have two issues to raise, but uh, Chairperson, I, I was low chaired and kicked out when Honorable Rios was starting to speak. And when I came later, uh, it was, uh, he had already finished speaking. So I did not really get his input. But at least I got the input from Honorable Brendan and Honorable Morale on the issue of signature chairperson. Honorable Brendan is proposing if we go back to 20 or 25%. Uh, as a department, we would not be opposed to that chairperson. Because here uh, uh, the IEC, uh, uh, the deputy uh, the vice chairperson of the IEC has got it. We are dealing here with a matter of a balance between being seen to deliberately put a barrier to the participation of independents versus a, a ballot paper that is longer than a book, as Honorable Mogali has said. Now we are all second judging what a court of law will say, whether they will regard it as putting a barrier. Or, or whether they will understand that we are trying to make a man- manageable ballot book. So, so that balance is very difficult to strike. And uh, we will agree with those who say, Let, let's sit again, chairperson. If we agree that 30% is very high, let's see where we set up a percentage in such a way that there will be a balance. Unfortunately, there's no mathematical formula that guides us on that balance, but uh, we won't be sticking uh, uh, and refusing to stand on these uh, thousand uh, uh, signatures as it was uh, proposed by our legal advisors. As a department, we won't stand against members rediscussing the issue and we encourage so. The last issue chairperson comes from the parliamentary legal services. This argument about a natural person as against a candidate or a person. I'm not sure whether I understand it. If by a natural person, it means a citizen then I'll be satisfied, I'll tell you why. If you look at the Bill of Rights, chairperson, on most of the rights, uh, like uh, if you start with uh, uh, section nine on equality, it will say everyone, on section 10 on human dignity, everyone on life, everyone on section 12, freedom and security of person, it will say everyone, it keeps on doing so until on, on, on it keeps on doing so section 14 on privacy freedom of religion freedom of expression until it arrives at section 19 political rights it now changes and say every citizen from there on it keeps on saying everyone until freedom of state occupational profession where it says every citizen can we not keep it with the constitution unless you say natural person corresponds or is the same as every citizen, then I'll understand. When it comes to electoral matters, it must be clear that only citizens can participate in election. That means people who have been given citizenship of the country can participate in election. Any other person who joins in South Africa under a different dispensation cannot participate in election. I just wanted clarity on that chair. Thank you very much.
6: Thank you, uh, uh, Minister. I'm not sure you, you will want us to, to invite uh, Mr Njigela, or we may keep the response in our next uh, uh, session, noting that uh, you have already uh, indicated to the committee that uh, you are still waiting for further uh, guidance around some of the issues from the legal team. I'm, I'm to establish so that I don't suppress your, your, your request. But I'm sure you may not be far from uh, uh, my, my, my thinking.
3: No, I'm not, because in, not because uh, my legal team said they are still going to give us, in fact, they, are, they didn't say anything new. They are just going to give more reasons of the stance they've taken. Now, this one was a question it can be answered next time on the issue of natural person. If it corresponds to citizen, then there's, no, there's nothing to answer, chairperson. But I'm not sure whether I understand what they mean by a natural person. That's the clarity I was looking for. If it can be answered in the next meeting, realizing that parliament has already started, I still have no problem, chairperson. But I, I don't want the matter to be closed there at natural, oh, okay. natural person until we understand what actually we mean by a natural person.
6: Okay. Uh, Thanks, Mr. Njikela, I was not speaking on your behalf. I was just uh, uh, trying to get the thoughts of the minister on what I was inputting. Uh, I'm sure you're not far also from my thoughts. Mr. Njikela? person,
9: um, we, we, natural person refers to a human being. In other words, a candidate can be nothing other than a human being. Yeah, um, then then
3: chairperson, I'm against thing. that. Let's discuss it next time. I'm totally against that.
6: No, 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 minister. I, I, I don't know whether in the in the previous session it was like that. How the meeting was conducted, but you raise your matter. I'm inviting Mr. Njigela to express the view. And has not completed, and I'm sure you, you are yet interrupting him, if you can give him that respect.
3: That apologies, again? apologies, my apologies.
6: I think,
9: not, one, not I think what one has to bear in mind is that, in as much as there may be political entities like parties, the candidates in the party are, are, are human beings. And I think that is the distinction we're trying to make. But I, I see the minister feel strongly about it. They, I don't think there will be difficulty with us reaching out to the department to just have a discussion around it so that in the next meeting we can present the committee with what has been the outcome of that discussion in the same way that we did yesterday with the IEC. So I think that spirit will continue that we engage each other on, on the issues.
4: Thank you, Chair.
6: Okay. Th- thanks, members. On the um, on the responses and comments from a uh, Minister, the IEC, and the uh, Parliamentary Legal Service and State Law Advisors, and the contributions uh, of members on specific issues uh, where the affirm and their slight differences and further deliberations on some of the issues that are being raised. The second point, I think uh, Commissioner Miepza, you must be comfortable that uh, all the presentations were from the IEC side, uh, uh, were presented to the committee. There's no new at all outside what we have started in a parliamentary portfolio committee consultation, which it may be required at all uh, from the origin. What uh, Honorable Ross was raising is a matter I think has raised uh, earlier on uh, in one of the committee uh, on the recalculation, in fact, that it was stronger that uh, we may need a further uh, a presentation. And if you recall, Commissioner Love, you did uh, consider that, uh, and members considered that they may need uh, a workshop around that uh, area that was the uh, the the spirit of that uh, of that meeting and we may not uh, uh, close uh, that possibility in terms of furthering for purpose of clarity that uh, will be required as we articulate a uh, further with our 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 our, our community the issues that we raise on the uh, by members will then able- interface with them in our deliberations in our, next, uh, in our next session. And I think we are now clear on uh, some of the issues that have been raised, um, where there's a, a consensus uh, on principle and where the different views uh, that uh, members have, been, have, have expressed and emerging differences from the presenters uh, that uh, have been carried. And I think it's only the portfolio community that can then take a decision on all the issues that uh, we have been presented on, and other issues we've already uh, dealt with the, with the with the with with the issues. We must caution again that uh, we have not yet uh, arrived at the point where there's a view that must be uh, deliberated outside what was prescribed uh, on uh, the new. Um, um, uh, submissions of the sunset clause. I can hear is uh, uh, is being raised. We have not arrived at that point. Let's ground ourselves within what we have been uh, uh, dealing with. As we conclude on this process, we may look in other issues uh, before we submit to the uh, to the uh, to the National Assembly for for consideration now that the parliamentary started members must quickly join um, can i suggest members that uh, in the next meeting we then deliberate on the issues and i think we can able to have consensus so that the a list being developed and we we adopt it uh, um uh, for a, a process of the of the of the bill list uh, uh, can i get that sense uh, then we'll interact with how we are going to reschedule the date for, del- for for further deliberation on the days that must conclude this matter. We're supposed to present the program of a, uh, 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 only on this item of the EAB, uh, but we'll do that in the next uh, meeting. The main call will discuss that uh, tomorrow with Mr. Uh, Matonsi and uh, uh, Mr. Salmon. The notes of procession of this meeting will then be updated and be circulated to members so that next, in the next, and stakeholders Next meeting, we discuss item by item, then we close on this. Can I get a sense that you can deliberate further in the next uh, meeting uh, from honorable members? The board chair, honorable Pile,
4: honorable Kanyele, honorable Rose. honorable Mohale.
6: Uh, Mr. Matones, our members have already joined the mini, plan- mini
0: Uh, Chairperson, I'm hmm. just checking Merkanyile, is in the meeting, uh, the Mr. Members. Ross, Mr.
6: Ross is not. Okay, Okay, in that manner, man, I think let's uh, work to deliberate in the next uh, portfolio committee meeting and allow members to join uh, the mini uh, mini-plenary and we'll take all the notes and, and communicate to, uh, to, the, to the stakeholders. Will that be a, a, a fair, a, a Mr. Matonsi, our summary?
0: Yes, Chairperson, I understood it very well. Okay.
6: Thanks very much, uh, colleagues, um, for your time and presentation, the meeting stand adjourned.
0: Thank you.
6: Thank you,
4: Chairperson. Thank you.